could see aging through a new lens. Imagine having new ideas, designs, to create for yourself better later years. Welcome to the Design Your Age podcast. I'm your host, Tuck Kamen. In the aging field, we spend a lot of time arguing about definitions. Even you can't get five aging researchers to agree on what you mean by aging even. Um, my attitude about that and aging as a disease comes in here is uh, I'll, I'll accept whatever definition you want to give me if we can both learn something from it. On this premiere episode of Design Your Age, meet one of the most relentless and prolific age scientists that along with others is changing the way we understand how to prevent and find a cure for the horribly destructive diseases brought on by aging. He's Dr. Stephen Osted, director of the UAB Nathan Schock Center of Excellence in the Biology of Aging. And he's also the scientific director of the American Federation for Aging Research. Okay, buckle in all you age astronauts. We're going to look at the idea of aging as a disease. Aging, I don't really think of as a disease, but I see it just, the, just because it's something that happens to everybody. And to me, if something happens to everybody, it doesn't make any sense call it a disease. But if people want to call it a disease, on the other hand, I have no problem with that if it's useful. And I think it is useful because it gets the medical community to pay attention to it in a way that they won't if you don't call it a disease. So from that perspective, I say, fair enough. Let's call it a disease. If, if it gets more attention and it's going to lead to more research, then I'll, I'll, call, it, yeah, I'll call it anything. I'll call it dessert if you want. Um, so I think that's pretty useful because if you want to get big pharma interested in aging, if you want the FDA to approve drugs potentially to slow aging, they need to think of it as a disease because that's the business they're in. You know, they're in the disease business. Here's an exciting, pivotal moment in Dr. Osted's conversation that I, I want to emphasize. Let's use this example. Before antibiotics, we attempted to find a cure for one infection, then search for a cure for another infection. Antibiotics stopped a number of infections. So what is it that invites more and more diseases to occur as you age? Could you prevent the underlying forces? Could you lessen or block the possibility of cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, diabetes, as you age? The key to this is in the word senescence. Senescence to me is, is, is actually a more precise word for aging. It just means not just change over the passage of time, but deterioration. Sure. But in terms of cells, it's got a pretty precise meaning because the first person to discover the fact that cells changed in predictable ways 
the more times they divided, called it cell senescence because he thought it was a model for what went on in your entire body, but it was in a cell. And so now cell senescence has a fairly precise meaning. And the meaning is that uh, cells are no longer capable of dividing anymore. Um, but instead of that, but they don't die. They persist, but, but, but they start secreting a lot of stuff that's bad. And so suddenly they become toxic. It's not like they just died. You'd love it if you had a cell that lost its ability to do what it's supposed to do. If you had a liver cell that didn't behave like a liver cell anymore, it'd be great if it just died. Yeah, but it doesn't. It just sits there, and then it starts pumping out all these bad chemicals that are bad for the surrounding environment. Well, what, does it does it attract cancer and Parkinson's, or does it what it up at point pumps out create? What it does is it causes a lot of inflammation, ah. and inflammation is associated with the cancer. It and it also pumps out um, chemicals that kind of degrade the surrounding tissue. Ah. And one of the things that may, allows cancer to grow better is having an in you know. Uh, a sick surrounding tissue. So cell senescence is probably arose because it prevents cancer. And early in life, it does that because if you have a cell that starts dividing out of control, but then it reaches some limit and stops, that's good for you. Keeps wow. you from getting cancer when you're 20. But that same process when it happens when you're 60 is no longer so good for you because now that thing is going to sit there and it's going to ultimately cause you problems. So um, for a long time, people were arguing about whether this cell senescence really represented aging in miniature or if it was something else. And I think it's something else, but it's something that has a very big impact on aging because as you start to accumulate these cells in your tissues, in your muscles, in your brain, it causes all kinds of things to, to go wrong. And then, so what is it that we do, um, either recent discoveries that will interrupt or slow down SMS? Well, the recent discoveries have been people have genetically engineered mice so that they can kill these senescent cells. Like I say, they don't die, they just sit there. In fact, they become resistant to cell death. So they've genetically engineered mice so that they can kill these senescent cells. Something, they, in, their, something in their immune system kills Well, what they do is they genetically engineer them so that they're susceptible to a certain drug. And they're only the ones that are senescent are susceptible to this drug. So then you feed them the drug and it kills all those cells. So you don't prevent the cells from occurring, but when they occur, you can kill them. And when they do that, they find out there are all kinds of health benefits to it. Now, the, now you can't genetically engineer people like this, that, but what they're hoping is that now they demonstrated that getting rid of those cells is healthy, that they can find drugs that'll do the same thing. And there are all kinds of current studies going on trying to find drugs that do it. So what are the new drugs for aging? And what groundbreaking role is Dr. Osted taking to that fight? We'll hear about it in a moment. 
The Design Your Age podcast is sponsored by Josh, Carrie, Justin, Joey, and Harper at the Apple Store. Not sponsored by Apple, but the guys who helped me at the Apple Store. I'd like to also thank Anne at the coffee bar at Whole Foods Markets. This is not sponsored by Whole Foods Markets, but Anne who works there. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the Design Your Age podcast, go to the Sponsor tab at www.designyourage.com. Thanks. Now let's get back to hear how Stephen Austin and an esprit de corps of fellow scientists have taken the first drug to the FDA to be tested in human trials to retard the diseases of aging. We decided, we as a group, I was in a small group of people called a Geroscience Network, and we've been discussing, is it time to try a human trial for some drug that we think either from human epidemiology or from animal work might slow aging? We decided it was. It was time to to quit talking about it and and try it. And then the question became, well, what what drug are we going to try first? And we chose metformin um, for two reasons. I was actually in favor of another drug. I was in favor of rapamycin, actually. Right, right. Um, We chose metformin because it's the most commonly used anti-diabetic drug in the world and has been for decades. So there's lots of safety information. The last thing you want is to try some trial like this and have some people die from the drug you gave them. And, you know, humans are incredibly genetically variable. And almost any drug is not going to work for somebody. And you hope it's not going to be toxic, right? But for metformin, there was all this safety issue. And the other part is it it's generic. So it doesn't cost much. It's practically free. And that was important because, well, both of these things were important because we wanted to convince the FDA that in principle, they would approve a drug for its, I don't want to say anti-aging, I'll say senescence retarding properties. Um, But they weren't going to do that unless we could demonstrate that it was a safe drug. But also, we didn't want them to suspect we're trying to get rich off this. And by using this drug that's so cheap, they weren't going to suspect that we were just trying to make a buck. So um, where, where is that now? That is currently uh, being reviewed by the NIH. Uh, probably in the next month or so, we'll get a preliminary decision on whether it's going to be funded. It's a pretty expensive trial by NIH standards. It's about $66 million dollars. But we have a, a private donor who wishes to remain anonymous who's agreed to put up $35 million of that if the NIH approves it. So I'm hoping by a year from now, this trial will actually be underway. I, I wanted to ask you this. Actions that you feel like you have learned that you do create better later years. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so... So people are always asking me this. What do you do? Yeah. You know? And I don't, it, it's interesting. So I once attended a meeting of all of the people in the country, basically, that studied dietary restriction in mice and rats. 
And so we've all known that this has this remarkable effects on preserving youth and those things for the longest time. And I look around the room and you'd expect maybe to see all these very, very slender people. That's not what you saw at all. You know, that room looked like America. There were a few people that were like that, but there were also a few people that were very, very obese and there were everything in between. So researchers don't necessarily, you know, make use of, of, of their own knowledge. So here's the only thing that I do. I mean, I do all the stuff your mama told you. I don't smoke, you know, I try to eat a healthy diet. The one thing I do that's kind of out of the ordinary is I do a lot of exercise. Because to me, it's not so much about how long you live, but how well you live. And it, but it turns out that exercise has beneficial impacts in ways that we never ever suspected. So now there's lots of evidence that exercise actually helps preserve your cognitive powers, that people, it's protective against dementia. You know, who would have thought that? Um, so that's really, I don't take, I don't take multivitamins. I don't do any of that stuff. But, but if, you, if you were to talk about a regimen, do you, do, do you go to the gym and work with weights? Do you run? Do you walk? Do you... I do both. So I do both uh, endurance exercise and resistance exercise. So usually what I do is I will do a bout of resistance exercise and tire the heck out of my upper body, and then I'll go ride the bicycle for 45 minutes and get the cardiac. And then after that, I typically go back and do some more weights. So I do both because we don't really know much about the effect of, of resistance exercises. And we know a lot about how good um, cardiovascular exercise is. But, but it could be that there's these amazing benefits resistance exercise that we don't know very much about because basically humans are crappy experimental animals. It's a great time to be a mouse. If we yes. How to become a mouse, yeah. boy, we would be in such fantastic that's right, we can get rid of mouse's Alzheimer's disease and cancer and all kinds of stuff. One, one of the studies that, that I did in mice of all things, but it was not laboratory mice, it was wild mice. I subjected all of these wild mice and wild mice are genetically variable. They're more like people than laboratory mice, which have been inbred for generations to be genetically identical. And what I found when I did this dietary restriction is I didn't get the normal result but they all lived longer. I got a result where some of them lived shorter, some of them lived about the same, and some of them, of course, did live longer. And so that I've always thought that what that was telling me is that what's good for you isn't necessarily the same thing that's good for me. So here's the big idea. In America, we hear stories about miracle drugs. One size fits all. Not so for aging. As you've heard from Dr. Ostad, you have a design that's all your own. You indeed design your age. The Design Your Age podcast was written and produced by Tuck Kamen, with special assistance from about everyone, including the patient guys and gals at the Apple Store, and of course, I'd like to thank Kat. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of the Design Your Age podcast, contact me at designyourage.com. And just remember, what's best about you never ages. <laughs>